0: The female condom, the sponge, the five year progestin IUD, the patch, the ring. These are just some of the contraceptives introduced in the past five years. What does the future hold? You are listening to Reach MD on XM 157. We are the channel for medical professionals. In this show, we will be discussing new products and future developments in contraception. Welcome to the Clinicians Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson a clinical assistant professor in the department of obstetrics and gynecology at Northwestern University in Chicago. With me today is Dr. Robert Hatcher. Dr. Hatcher is a professor of gynecology and obstetrics at the Emory University School of Medicine. Many in our audience will recognize him as the lead author of Contraceptive Technology, perhaps the most comprehensive book on contraception available. First written by Dr. Hatcher in 1967, the book's 19th edition will be available shortly. Welcome, Dr. Hatcher. Hi, Dr.
1: Benson. Nice to be with you.
0: Why don't we start with continuous pills? Tell us a little bit about where continuous dosing of the birth control pill is headed.
1: I think that we're going to see more and more women provided with birth control pills continuously. Yeah. Now that there is a drug that's available, a specific formulation, Librel, the new Wyeth pill that provides the pills every single day, year in, year out, we're going to find doctors feeling a lot more comfortable with that approach, even though they've had patients that have used monophasic pills continuously for years and years now. And in fact, it's the doctors and nurse practitioners that are most likely to have been using pills continuously for the last couple of decades. You know, birth control pills were formally approved in 1960, but their first use was continuously to prevent progression of endometriosis. And this was described by Kistner in the 50s. Pills were taken continuously, not 21-7. And so, The disadvantage of pills continuously is that it leads to menstrual chaos. It tends to, over time, that tends to cease to be a problem as they become amenorrheic. But at the beginning, it causes some menstrual irregularity. Actually, the total number of days of bleeding is less in the first year of using pills continuously than when they're used 21-7, but they're more irregular.
0: And they're unpredictably unpredictable, is that correct? That's
1: right. That's a good way to put it, unpredictably unpredictable.
0: One question that comes up, let's assume that the woman gets through the menstrual chaos for the first six months and then she has amenorrhea indefinitely. How is she going to know that she's pregnant when the baby is kicking or sooner, or how does that work?
1: Well, first of all, if she's taking pills continuously, she is getting greater effectiveness than any of the published data on pills taken 21-7 because her hypothalamic pituitary axis is going to be even more suppressed. So that, you know, we've had this question now with pills taken 21-7 because a fair number of those don't bleed also. They become amenorrheic. We've had it with regard to Depo-Provera. And generally what happens is a person either does a home pregnancy test or comes into a doctor's office, finds it's negative two or three times, and said, I've had enough of that. I've got better things to do with my time and money. So that, in general, she stops being concerned about it, and then she is told, unless you have symptoms of pregnancy, you don't need to worry about amenorrhea.
0: One question that I had is a woman taking the pill every day versus 21-7, obviously gets a 25% higher dose of medication. Is that a valid concern, and does it have any clinical meaning?
1: Well, it is a concern. Everything should be a concern. But we don't have any data with regard to cancer, for example, or with regard to any other specific complication, except for irregular bleeding, that I'm aware of. I would imagine, by the way, that it's going to mean To good things, which is it's going to have greater effectiveness and better non contraceptive benefits.
0: Such as acne, cancer prevention, so on and so forth. Yeah. What about the sponge? Is the sponge back on the market or is it off the market again? The sponge is
1: back on the market and we give it pretty high failure rates, so that I would say, you know, I've always liked the sponge. It's user friendly, it has a pleasant odor. It looks very, very clean. It's soft. I like the sponge. It's just not very effective. But it's a nice backup contraceptive, and it's easier for some women to use than, say, a spermicide. It's not as effective as a condom, though. So I think it's going to be a relatively limited use, but not zero use.
0: Why was it taken off the market and then reintroduced?
1: It was just a production problem, something in the factory about the documentation of how they were making it. There was no defective products that I'm aware of. That's what it was. It was a production problem.
0: Isn't it somewhat less effective for women who've had one-term pregnancy or more?
1: That's correct. You have that right.
0: If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson, and my guest is Dr. Robert Hatcher, co-author of 19 Editions of Contraceptive Technology. Today, we are discussing new products and future developments in birth control. Now, can you comment on the idea that too many women are using pills? I've heard that expression before. Not totally sure what it means.
1: Let's look at some numbers. There are actually a little bit more than this, but if there are 12 million women in the United States using pills and you take an 8% failure rate, which is what we now say is its in a package insert that every woman gets it's in, in all of our publications, and this comes from James Trussell at Princeton, the actual user failure rate of pills is 8%, or 1 in 12 becomes pregnant. So each year of the 12 million women, depending on oral contraceptives as their contraceptive, 8% or 1 million will become pregnant. Simply, that's too many. That's simply too many. That's a large hunk of all the unintended pregnancies in the United States, which is about 3 million. So one of the clinicians' tasks is to find the women that are not taking the pills well and encourage them using whatever powers of persuasion they have to use more effective methods of birth control. Now, this is always a voluntary process so that a woman may choose to use a method that she doesn't use well. I mean, that's her right. But still in all, you know, I have some doctor friends who are really good. One is a family planning fellow named Kim Looney, and another is a person on the faculty named Dr. Seshu Sarma. And both of them can get people to switch to the Paragard or the Marina IUD, and they do it in a very gentle factual way by just giving them the numbers. And of course, they've had a lot of experience using those IEDs and they can tell people that I can do it very effectively and nicely for you. And that's what more doctors need to do because the failure rates of marina and the Paragard have led Dr. David Grimes to say, think of these contraceptives as reversible sterilization, because indeed for five to 10 years, they're more effective than tubal sterilization.
0: Marina is?
1: Absolutely. Marina is the most effective reversible contraceptive ever developed. It's more effective for seven years than the first seven years of using tubal sterilization.
0: What about in terms of getting women to more effective methods of birth control, wouldn't Librel or daily use of the pill throughout the year be considered more effective than the current pill usage?
1: Well, yeah, that's what I was saying. We have some data. We have one published study that found a use effectiveness failure for pills taken continuously of 1.8% versus 8%. So, yes, we have some data, the beginning of data. I have an idea that we're going to start looking at a lot of things with regard to combined pills. We're going to start looking at them as two categories continuously taken combined pills and 21 7.
0: What about some new developments in terms of a year-long vaginal ring. Is that well, on the that horizon? that's one of the
1: ones that we're hopeful for. I mean, that, of all the things that are really, truly different, the vaginal ring that gives off a progestin and it can be used for a long time, but it's still years off. There's nothing on the immediate horizon or anything even 10 years away for men. The same can be said for vaginal microbicides that would be beneficial against both HIV or contraception. In fact, there's nothing attractive for vaginal microbicides that would be effective for either HIV or more effective as a contraceptive than say our current spermicides. But so in the books that I've worked on, Managing Contraception and Contraceptive Technology, we focus very heavily on what is practical and people could possibly use in the immediate future. And there is nothing particularly exciting. I mean, for example, one of the things I'd really like to see is folic acid added to pills. That's something that there's a patent for folic acid being added to uh, birth control pills by Godfrey Oakley at the CDC and Ortho Laboratories. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever have that product. I'd love to see it. I mean, it could prevent so many birth defects. But I think what we're going to see for the next few years is minor adaptations, or not so minor ones, of what we currently have, like this continuous use of hormones.
0: What about Implanon?
1: That's a wonderful new one. So what I would say in terms of the future is, the future is now. It's here now. And we have a ring, which is just wonderful. Implanon, the two IUDs are here and and only 2% of Americans use them. And we need to use more of that. And the continuous use of hormonal pills. But the implant is going to be wonderful. It's very different than Norplant. There's no ovulation in the first two years of using implant.
0: How is Implanon different? What is it? Is it a different uh, hormone, different dose?
1: It's etonogestrel. It's a different hormone, but it's a single implant, so it's going to avoid some of the real problems putting in and taking out and making mistakes of how to use them. There's going to be excellent training associated with the use of this implant. Uh, Organon is is doing training programs, and you have to have gone through them before you can buy the Norplant. They did a great job on training people to do Norplant, but a lot of the people who bought it eventually had no training.
0: (laughs) Oh, that was a problem?
1: That was a big problem.
0: Because I never had much of a problem with it, so I was wondering what the big fuss was. No, I
1: love that. We may have used more of them at Grady Memorial Hospital in Atlanta than any other site, and we we really liked it, and the patients liked it too. By the way, it's effective for seven years, except in the most overweight categories of women, that IUD is effective for at least seven years, but we're now about out to seven years since the Norplant was last available.
0: I want to thank Dr. Robert Hatcher, co-author of Contraceptive Technology, who has been our guest. We've been discussing new products and future developments in birth control. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable here on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We would love to hear from you. For comments and questions about this program or suggestions for future shows, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. We really do read your mail every single day and every single week. Be safe. Be informed. Thank you for listening.